Good morning again, everyone. <clears throat> like I said, my name is Maddie, and before we jump into our experience today, we just need to talk about how much cheering Mary gets versus how much I get. There's a lot of disparity going on there. Uh, now that we've dealt with that little pity party. Um, during this season of Christmas, what we're doing is we're celebrating the reason we celebrate Christmas. We're digging deep into what it meant for some of the first responders to first respond to the news that a king was coming. So week one, we heard from Mary, the, son of, uh, the mother of Jesus, who heard and understood that there was going to have something happen through her that was going to change the world. And how she celebrated, how her heart exploded with worship and rejoicing at this tremendous thing. Last week we talked and heard about from Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, who knew that the coming of a new king meant the dawn of a new age of light and of peace. And today, today we get to talk about this guy. His name is Simeon. And Simeon doesn't feature on a lot of Christmas cards or on lawn displays for a very obvious reason. Now, if we were to have a nativity here at Epiphany Station, I would vouch, I want to play this role. Can you just pretend that you're exhausted at all times? Yes, why, yes, I can. My children have been preparing me for this role for seven years now. But Simeon is often depicted as old and tired because something was revealed to him about his life that impacts the Christmas story and Jesus' coming and the King coming. So let's talk about this morning, kind of what it looks like for Simeon to respond to this. It starts off by saying there was at that time, uh, in, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and he was devout and he was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Holy Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. Some 40 days after Jesus' birth, Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the cultural and political and spiritual center of their nation, Jerusalem, to the temple, to present Jesus and say, He is as much yours, God, as He ever will be ours. And there they come across a man named Simeon who was known to be righteous and devout. Now, don't let that paint a picture in your mind of someone who is holier than thou and incredibly religious. Instead, Simeon was known to be authentic, a man who loved God, and that's all he wanted to do with his life. Now, then Simeon speaks, and he has heard something and had something revealed to him, very much like Mary, very much like Zechariah, that a king is coming, that a Messiah is coming, and on that day, he saw what he had been waiting so long to see. It said that he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at the things being said about him. And what he does say, he really mirrors what Mary has said, what Zechariah has said. The nature of this boy will be that he will be a light in the darkness, that he will bring salvation and entire and permanent rescue from evil. But then he goes on to say something that's very different and very peculiar, something we're going to devote the rest of our time to this morning because it is not normally how Jesus is portrayed, especially baby Jesus. Because he goes on, it says, then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall 
and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and the sword will pierce your very soul. Now, I don't know, but I'm going to hedge my bets that this is probably one of the most impressive counts of bait and switch I've ever heard in my life. Imagine going to a parent-teacher conference, and they start out by saying, your kid's just perfect. Awesome. Some might call him the light of the world. Uh, But in the same (laughs) breath, he causes many to fall and many to stumble, and he's going to pierce your heart and soul. At some point in that conversation, Mary's like, okay, give me my baby back, you weirdo. This sounded so strong. Could we not have just kept the first chunk? But Simeon does what we feel uncomfortable about doing. Simeon speaks directly to why Jesus even existed, his entire intention. And he points to the fact that because of Jesus, not that Jesus would see it, not that he'd be around to point it out, but he would cause many to fall, many to rise, which we're okay with, but also many to fall. That he would be a sign from God that many would receive, but just as many would oppose. And that his intent of being in existence, the results are going to be that all thoughts and motivations and intentions and hearts and souls are going to be on display for everyone to see. Meaning that what we love and what we desire and what we're really all about will be seen. Simeon, in my very small opinion, I think does a better job of highlighting and predicting the intention of Jesus' existence, maybe better than any other prophet. Because he takes this image of this beautiful baby innocent child. He says, this one is going to grow. And when it grows, it is going to bring contrast. It is going to highlight problem. It is going to cause division. Jesus is going to draw a line in the sand and ask you on which side you'll stand. He carves it out that Simeon says, this is going to happen. And you, you will choose. All will choose. We'll take this choice of how we respond to this line that is carved in the sand. And what he actually says, which is very difficult for us to want to admit, is that he says, many will oppose. Many will choose to oppose. Many will renounce that it's true, denounce that it's real, and fight the existence of this coming king. This king who claims worship and submission and kingship over your life, many will decline. Many will deny. Some because they will say, look, there is no line in the sand. It's not as clean cut as that. There's no dark and light and good and evil. The world is just the world is. We don't need this contrasting line. Many of you will see the line and just say, God is not the way. That is not how we are going to live our lives. So wherefore, we deny and we decline. And really, what Simeon is pointing out for us all to understand is that as we do this, there will be consequences. For either side of the line, consequences, and the most that God could ever do is to make sure you understand both. To choose opposition, Simeon says, means to fall. And the wording he actually uses is less like a fall and more like a crash. Have you ever wondered why we've gone through life so many times and we feel like we're smashing headlong into brick walls and it's not working and it's not functioning and it's not going right? That is often because we smash and we drive against some of the cornerstone truths that God has carved into our existence, the reason for our existence we fight against and we oppose, that all this and its intention, all of you and and all of me and all of the good things you've seen and experienced and all the love that you have in relationship and all the joy and all the hope, all of that, 
All of it was ever supposed to do was point you in the direction of this king. All of it was meant for the glory of the king, and the glory of the king was meant for it. And if we deny that there is a king whatsoever, well, then everything starts to be a lot out of balance. It doesn't seem to make sense. Life starts to seem purposeless. And so Simeon says, many will choose to oppose. But in the same breath, he says, many will receive. Many will receive, and because of that reception, that grasping onto this coming of a new king and owning it, they will rise. Not just to rise as to stand, not even to be lifted and held up, but instead to rise to the wording he used, the Greek that Luke heard that he recorded was anastasis, full, complete, whole, permanent resurrection. Everything brought to life forever when we choose to rise alongside the king. Now, this is a very rare gem of Christmas that we ever choose to unearth and expose for examination, that Christmas was intended to expose. It was supposed to remove the masks. It was supposed to remove the games and the farce and the make-believery that we live in. Make-believery is a new word. And instead, it was supposed to take all that and often ruin all of that so we couldn't hide behind it, so that we were challenged to see what are we going to do with Christmas. Christmas was not supposed to be about furry and fluffy and not food and toys and not green and red, not about whether it's warm and crackly inside or whether baby it's cold outside. It was supposed to be about... Just lost half the crowd there. (laughs) You're the only service that got it, by the way. Christmas was never supposed to be about putting on more distractions, more things to take us from purpose and point, but instead it was supposed to ask us a question, everyone a question, to ask churchgoers and non-churchgoers, to ask believers and not, to ask Jesus followers and Jesus haters the same question, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure on which side of the line you stand is where you want to be? It's why Simeon gave this blessing. It's why God directed him to do it. It's why Jesus spoke then again so clearly to it that we would understand that Jesus came to contrast. He came to show us options and consequences. He once spoke to his disciples 30 years after Simeon made this prediction. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Every time we talk about God's word, every time we try and understand his message, it should drive us to action. Every week we talk about taking a next step, something we should be challenged to do. And Christmas challenges this, what Simeon has made clear, what Jesus reiterated and clarified. We get to choose, will we rise or will we fall? Will we carry that message of being able to rise to all people, or will we condemn them to fall? Will we rise alongside of our king, or will we fall apart from him? All of this geared so you may respond. And the heartbreaking thing, the heartbreaking thing is many of us choose to oppose. Some willingly, aggressively, others we just do it and we don't realize it. We oppose that Jesus did what he came to do, that there was a sin problem, that there was a need of rescue. We say, I don't need God to tell me how to do my life. 
I don't need this rescue, this, this sin salvation you speak of. And my advice for you, if that's, that's where you're at, is just own that. Let's not play games about this. There's a line in the sand for the reason. If you're on this side, own you're on that side. Don't be surprised then of how life plays out. A lot of us, some of us have spent decades on this side of the line. So we know what life was like. Many of others, we get caught playing the game in which we kind of want to be on one side, kind of want to be on the other. Yeah, I want to feel like I'm one of God's children. No, I don't want to be told what to do. Yes, I want to be wise and know how to love people. No, he doesn't get to tell me I can't have sex with whoever I want. Yes, I want to receive blessing. I want to receive money. I want to receive family. I want to receive community. No, I don't want to give up my old habits. I wonder how long you guys are going to let me do this (laughs) until it becomes really weird. But we, we hop back and forth, don't we? Between opposition and receiving. And oftentimes we, we are over here not considering it as what it truly is. And let me lay this out maybe as lovingly as I can. It's opposition. It's opposition to God. It is telling him no. And therefore he says the results are crash after crash after crash. And it will continue Because God does not mitigate the results of our decision to oppose. He allows them to happen. The answer to why there is darkness and dismay and confusion and depression and a lack of purpose in life is so that we would understand contrast. We would be able to see that on the other side of the line are the things that we've genuinely been chasing and that they aren't over here. And God lays way markers to come back, offers to come back. The gift that he gives us at Christmas is this gift of contrast, this gift of a king who will not play in the gray, but he will tell you that there is light and that there is dark and that there is a life that you can live fully, fully resurrected, picked up, dragged out of the ash and the dust and the mud and the blood and the beer, and you can choose it, but it means choosing to give up our selfish ways. It means choosing to give up our self-appointed kingship and to give it to him. And when we do that, we are shown and we understand the beautiful thing about submission is that the alternative is so dang ugly. Jesus offers love. God offers protection. The Spirit offers change when we choose to put the King where He belongs, on the throne, on the throne of our lives. And I believe this Christmas, the thing that God really wants to see happen, He wants for you, is just for your heart to be revealed to you. One way or the other, one side or the other, for you to know, for you to understand why life is as it is. And so eternally, we might choose, that we would choose instead to rise, we would choose instead light, we would choose instead life, and that Christmas would make us face this contrast. One thing that we're going to do here in a minute is we're going to celebrate the beautiful contrast of who our King is. And we're going to take communion together, intentionally as a part of our worship experience today, Because as we focus on the cross of Jesus, it loses its beauty when we don't put it in light of the crown of Jesus. When we don't see why the king who gets to sit on the throne gets to sit there in the first place. See, communion was first a thing introduced by Jesus just before he died. Told us to remind us, hey, eat bread and drink juice. All the while remembering 
the sacrifice that your king was willing to give all blood and all body, not so that you would fall in condemnation, but so you would rise. And as we choose to take communion or not, you must consider just only a few questions. The first being, do I want a king? Do I want a king? Do I want to be led? Do I want to be challenged? Do I want to be corrected? Do I want to give up the old so I can experience the new? That is the question that both communion and Christmas pose to us. And if you want to take communion with us this morning, fantastic. Just know this is why we do it. If you don't wish to take it, please don't feel like you have to for appearance's sake or that it'll make us feel better. We don't want to promote hypocrisy, nor do we want me to make you feel unwelcome. But if you want to take communion with us, this is how we do it. We have our musical team up here. And while they are up here, they'll be leading us in a song, and you'll find bread and juice on the corners of the stage. Bread with a gluten-free option, juice non-alcoholic. We take that, walk up the front, middle, take it to the sides, sit down, and you take it whenever you wish. But we challenge you to take some time as you consider doing that. Because communion puts Christmas in contrast that our king was born so that he might be sacrificed, so that he'd be willing to do everything so that we might rise, so that we could pledge allegiance to this king so humble that he would pave the way back to our God. This is the love of God on display, always in contrast, always light in the dark. And if you know that, if you want to choose that life, you want to choose that light, you want to choose to rise, then you're ready to celebrate communion, you're ready to celebrate Christmas, you're ready to celebrate the coming of our King. I'm going to pray, and if you want to join me, you can do. Father God, we are grateful, and we want to be grateful. We want to understand why there is darkness and why there is light, how these are signs, how these are signals, how these are reminders to us of what our choices uh, will bring about. God, help us not to walk out and help us not to take Christmas on just as we always have, mustering as many distractions as we can, filling stockings and trees just to have those little bits of happiness that that are speaking to an ever-desperate need for joy. Help us instead to understand why you give us it, why, why you point us towards Christmas year after year after year, that we would see that we get to choose full life. We get to choose to rise up alongside you and for life to be full of joy to be full of peace. Help us to respond now as we worship together. In Jesus' name, amen.